Good afternoon and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder buddy, Joe Masato, after a thrilling, weird sort of Thunder game last night. What did you see in that one as the Thunder lose to the Pelicans 103 to 100? Yeah, it was like the closest game uh, I've ever seen in which uh, one team trailed for the entire game. And that was the Thunder last night. Never led the Pelicans, got down by as many as 20 in the first half, and they did climb out of that hole. It was pretty even the rest of the way, to be honest. And the fourth quarter, um, I I thought was a really fun game, back and forth, high pressure, high intensity. And if you were leaving the arena last night and and didn't realize it, like it would have been hard to believe that the Thunder never led that game. Um, Brandon Ingram just tough shots down the stretch. Um, the Thunder really put themselves in a good position to to have at least a look at a game-tying three-pointer by forcing a turnover. Um, Pelicans didn't have a timeout to challenge the play, so it was mayhem. Uh, but Isaiah Joe um, could not get it to go down. Um, but twice the Thunder drew up a play for Isaiah Joe because that's what happens these days. Yeah, it just felt like such like a flat start for the Thunder, which is such a weird thing because we've heard Mark Dagnall talk about it over and over about coming out aggressive and throwing that first punch and even talked about it in post game about feeling like the Pelicans threw the first punch and they were kind of reeling and trying to respond the rest of the game. Yeah, he he wasn't happy with the start, um, you, you know, especially. I, I mean, really, on both ends of the floor, um, it was one of those games where Second game left before the All-Star break. Thunder plays the Rockets tomorrow night, last game before the break. I mean, credit the Pelicans because they did bring it. But sometimes in these games, you see teams maybe have one eye looking forward to to the break, getting some much-deserved time off. And that's kind of how it felt um, for the Thunder to at least start the game. And, and then they did um, turn it on. But like th- this is a team that had trouble in the first quarter at the beginning of the season, they've been really good in the first quarter lately, as Mark mentioned last night, especially on the road, building out big leads and giving themselves some some comfort room. Um, but last night was was just the opposite. It was crazy to see Brandon Ingram score the first 12 points of the game. Shea had the first eight for the Thunder or first 14 for Ingram first six for Shea. So the first 20 points scored in an NBA game was by just two players. I thought that was kind of a weird and wild and fascinating note from last night. Yeah, it was it was weird to watch that as it started. Um, just looking at those guys, it was uh, definitely different where you have those two guys kind of catching fire and then it was just whoever's going to break the seal of the other guys on the team. Um, I thought Isaiah Joe was really nice. It, I wanted to get to this point in the conversation, but it feels a little bit weird because it feels like a lot of the three-point shooting kind of responsibility is falling on him. Obviously, he's the best shooter on the team, but more importantly, it feels like, I don't know, the the Thunder have lost the math game and numbers-wise, twos aren't as many points as threes, and a lot of teams are shooting and making more threes than the Thunder, but it feels like a lot of the responsibilities falling on Isaiah Joe, if you know what I'm talking about. I th- I think it is. I, I mean, last night he attempted 11 threes, was, was four for 11. For the season, he's averaging 4.7 um, per game, but that counts in, you know, the beginning of the year when he wasn't playing as much, shooting eight 
NBA best 45.4% from three, but this is a team that's become a lot better at three-point shooting, and a lot of that does have to do with Isaiah Joe and his volume of attempts and his efficiency. But you're right, and it's a team where like that's not a natural shot for a lot of guys. Like Giddy is still trying to find his rhythm from there. Shea has maybe zagged. It's hard to argue with anything he's doing, but he's almost gone away from the shot completely. Um, J-Dub struggled early. He is shooting it a lot better now. Last night he made a step back. I thought that was encouraging. But you you, you just really don't have a, a ton of guys who shoot a high volume of three-pointers on this team or are comfortable hunting that shot. So Isaiah Joe, I mean, that's that's the one reason he's in there for, and I think that's why it's so glaring as far as him taking such a bulk of those shots. I don't really, I don't really find a problem with it, but the Thunder is does lose the math game more times than than not. But they're just so efficient in the paint and score so much at the rim with Shea, with Giddy, with J Dub um, that the efficiency of that shot at the rim sometimes outweighs the other teams. Um, exceedingly high volume of three-point attempts. Yeah, I mean, Lou Dort, since coming back from his injury, has really taken a step back just in terms of the shots he's taking, the amount of shots. So at the same time, that's awesome. That's something that we've been looking for for a while. A lot of Thunder fans have been talking about. But at the same time, someone's going to need to take those shots. It's not just going to be leftovers that expire. Someone's going to need to shoot those. So I don't know. I, I think about it like you mentioned Josh is somebody who's working on his shot. J-Dub is someone who's um, continues to kind of, I don't know, try to translate his three-point shooting where he was a 40% three-point shooter in college to now where he's, you know, leveling up here and there. And then Shea, who you mentioned, has gone away from the three almost entirely. I don't know. It just puts a lot of pressure on Isaiah Joe or whoever those guys are. I don't know. It reminded me of um, a quote I heard from Ty Lue about the playmakers on their team. And he said, we have... A lot of people who love to eat are only two cooks, talking about Paul George and Kawhi, and those guys can cook and the rest of the guys just eat off that. But for the Thunder, it feels like there's not a lot of guys who are eating on the team who are the play finishers, the guys at the end of a you know, shot clock who are willing to take those shots. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the numbers now, and what we're saying does sound right. But the numbers kind of paint a, a picture that we're exaggerating this problem just a little bit. So, so when Mark Dagnall took over in the 2020-21 season, the Thunder was 13th in three-point attempts. Last season, they were 7th in three-point attempts, despite being 30th in three-point percentage. And this year, um, the attempts are down a, a little bit just as far as where they rank in the NBA. They're 13th, though. Um, in the NBA at 33.4 three-point attempts per game, and they are ninth in percentage, which is the single most astonishing fact of the season for the Thunder, that this is a team that ranked 29th and 30th in three-point percentage the last two seasons, and now they're all the way up to ninth. Um, the Warriors lead the league at 43 attempts per game, so the Thunder's about 10 fewer than that, but they're right there with the Clippers, Timberwolves, both at 33, um, and, and they they rank 11th and, and 12th. So the Thunder's not too far out of being top 10 in three-point attempts. 
Yeah, that's a good point. A little bit of a recency bias. It does feel like a lot of pressure on Isaiah Joe, but maybe it's just the the recency, like I mentioned, um, over the last few weeks, even before that, you know, you had the stretches where Josh was shooting really, really well, and other guys, uh, Jay Will was shooting uncharacteristically well, and other guys. So it probably ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, and then the last thing on this game, what did you think of JRE in his first game back in action since, like, what was it, December? Yeah, December 12th. Um, the year was 2022, and now it is 2023. So a very severe ankle sprain that, that Jeremiah Robinson Earl suffered that you know made him miss two dozen games or so. So, um, you know, didn't, didn't play especially well La- last night, didn't shoot the ball well, but I think it was just a case of like getting his feet under him, getting used to, you know, ramping up conditioning wise. Um, he, he had been playing with the blue in the G league as sort of an injury rehab assignment. So, Definitely good to see him back out there. I, I'm more interested from the standpoint of what do those rotations look like? Um, obviously, the Mascala trade does open things up a little bit because, you know, I know it wasn't as a result directly from Boston in the Mascala trade, but basically you had two players going out in Baisley and Mascala and only one player coming back. Um in Dario Sharich after they waived Justin Jackson. So, you know, I, I thought Sharich might get some of those Mascala minutes and he still might. It was only, it was only one game, but JRE is going to get some of those. Jay Will's going to continue to play. So kind of how they balance this center rotation while also like going small a lot of the time. Um, just curious to see how that, that playing time uh, pans out. Just to clear it up for the fans who don't know, it is Sharich, like a SH sound and not Sarich, correct? Yes. Um, I, I should be better versed in linguistics, but um, there's that accent mark over the A, uh, over the S that uh, makes an SH sound. So think of like Pukashevsky. It's the it's the same it's the same sound there. We don't say Pukashevsky. Um, which you know is actually harder to say than Pokashevsky, but Sarich, I would argue, is easier to say than Sharich, but it is indeed Sharich. This is what you listen to the Thunder Buddies for: is linguistic lessons from Joe and I here, the two uh, journalism English minors or whatever <laughs> it was. But uh, I wanted to move on because the Thunder are now zero and three against the Pelicans this season. What do you think is the biggest problem that the Thunder, I guess, running up against this Pelican squad? Because a lot of times the Pelicans aren't even healthy when they're playing them, but they're providing them problems over and over where they're guarding Shea really well, among other things. Or maybe this is just a hot stretch of games from New Orleans. Yeah, I I struggle with this question because I don't see a common through line because the Pelicans... um, like like last time they came into Oklahoma City, it was it was no Ingram, no Zion, but CJ was available. They've played earlier in New Orleans where a different combination of, of stars is available. And it's just like the the team has been different each time, yet um they are three and zero against the Thunder, which is significant when you look at the Western Conference standings. Like those are three games that are pretty large. The Pelicans are now two games up on the Thunder in the West and 
Pelicans are in total desperation mode now that Zion looks like he's going to miss several more weeks. And and CJ was out last night, but that doesn't look to be long-term. It's good that they have Ingram back. Um, I think the one constant you could look to is the way they've defended Shea. First, they've got a ton of length. They throw a ton of bodies at him. And Herb Jones, just on one-on-one defense, is about as good as it comes uh, against SGA. I mentioned this last night. Thought Aaron Gordon did a terrific job for Denver when he was guarding Shea. Um, I would put Herb Jones in that category. Just two guys that can match Shea's length and are quick enough to to try to stay in front of him. However, I'm going to go against my own point for a second because if you remember that second Thunder Pelicans game, Shea went 17 of 29 and dropped 44 points, which at the time was his career high. So, and Herb Jones was available and was guarding him. So the first game, we're talking about Herb Jones. Second game, they torched the Pelicans. Last night, he struggled um, by his standards, 8 to 20, 24 points. Um, and I thought Herb was really good. So, like, that is something that stands out, but it doesn't, it hasn't explained, like, every loss. Yeah, I mean, it's not just Herb Jones. It's, I don't know. It's it's a team defense is what it feels like. It feels like a lot of funneling of Shea where yeah. Herb Jones, it's not like he's just stopping him one-on-one, but it's just like you mentioned their length, just funneling him, uh, Shea into all these other bigs and all these other guys with a lot of wingspan and then just daring the Thunder to beat them from the three-point line and playing. Um, oh, but I just think it's an interesting matchup between the two teams, especially when you have uh, Zion who's – as you mentioned to me in pregame, which was nuts, that Zion still hasn't even played in Oklahoma City in front of fans yet. That's correct. He um, Zion, the number one pick in the 2019 draft, has not played in front of Thunder fans. Now, he has played in two games in Oklahoma City, but that was the 2020-21 season where no Thunder fans were allowed in the arena. So, yeah, he just, I mean, he hasn't played much against any NBA team, but he has not played very much at all um, against the Thunder, which is a shame just because he's so exciting to watch, although you shouldn't really be buying Pelicans Thunder tickets with the hopes of of watching Zion at this point because that's a very dicey proposition. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a weird matchup. They The Pelicans really do have a ton of length, like Trey Murphy and um, Herb Jones kind of look like twins out there with just the way they're built. And then Dyson Daniels was out last night, and by rookie standards, he's been phenomenal defensively. Um, so that's another body they they, they could throw out there. Um, you know, Larry Nance is a good fundamentals player. Um, it, it would be an interesting play-in matchup. Like compared to we we've basically seen two possible playing matchups right in a row with Portland and with New Orleans. Uh, it would depend on the health situation, but I, I like that matchup for them against Portland better. Yeah, I would definitely prefer that one too. I don't know. I I think that something that's interesting that you see with the Pelicans and some other teams like the Warriors and the Nuggets who have had success against the Thunder is a big who can pass out of those double teams. It's no secret the Thunder aren't a team with a bunch of size on the back line. So a lot of times with a guy who can post up, they double immediately. And then they've had a lot of success against teams like Philadelphia because Embiid's not great passing out of those double teams to shooters. But if you have a guy like Valanchunas, 
uh, Draymond or Jokic, who those last two guys are in a different category, who can spray the ball out to potential shooters who can knock down shots like Trey Murphy was doing the other night. I think it gives the Thunder a lot of problems. Yeah, and just to finish up from the game, a a really gutty win by the Pelicans because they've been in a in a free fall. Now they they've turned it around a little lately, but without Zion, they're seven and fourteen. They went on like a 10-game losing streak, and they hadn't won a road game since January 13th before last night. So exactly one month had passed in between um, road wins for the for the Pelicans. And like I mentioned, quick standings update. So the Thunder is a half game behind the Jazz of Utah for the 10th the seed. They are one and a half games behind the Warriors at ninth and uh, two games behind the Pelicans and Timberwolves who are the seven and eight seeds right now. So, I mean, it's so close. You look at seven through 12 Pels, Wolves, Warriors, Jazz, Blazers, Thunder, all separated, uh, all within two games of each other in the standings. And among that group, among those six teams I just mentioned, the Thunder does have the second best point differential behind only the Pelicans. Um, so that's going to be a very fun race um, here reaching the you know, final third of the season. Or so we think of the All-Star break as the halfway point, but it's way after the halfway point. It is. It's sort of the, the spring break of the uh, NBA season. It feels like yeah. people are just looking forward to that, which... I'm sure you and uh, are also looking forward to it as you are going to All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City coming up this weekend. What are you looking forward to the most about getting out there to Utah or anything like that? I think the scene of it all is what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, there, there's been a lot of firsts for me re- recently when it when it comes to the NBA. I guess Summer League, it was my second time, but that's like this wild scene the NBA draft um, that was my first time there, and that was also kind of crazy. So I'm I'm just looking forward to see like the event of All Star Week. I, I'm not I, I don't always thrive in chaos, but I'm going to have to fight through it this weekend in Salt Lake City. Um, a very serene setting for my first All Star game. Um, I, I I do like Salt Lake City. I, I like seeing the mountains. Um, I know it's not the most exciting getaway um, for an All-Star weekend, but it should be fun. I mean, to each their own. I'm sure it's a good time for certain guys. Um, I'm sure Larry Markinen's having a good time that he doesn't even have to leave his house or new apartment in Salt Lake City to go to the game. But it and should he's be starting now. He he's is starting. starting. Yeah, get the hometown uh bump there but you mentioned it that you don't really have any overall scheduling plans you don't really know what's going to happen but I wanted to ask you are you is there any coach uh, player team employee NBA employee media member anyone else that you're probably looking to talk to maybe to get their thoughts on the thunder or just catch up or anything like that well this is a silly answer but I'm I'm going to I'm gonna say Shea Gilgis Alexander Jalen Williams and and Josh Giddy. I want to make sure I, I get as much time as is allowed with, with the Thunder contingent that will be at All-Star Weekend and, and sort of telling the story of the weekend through their eyes as best I can. Other than that, um, nothing I'm like going into uh, being like, oh man, I, I got to talk to this person. Um, it, it's more so seeing a lot of familiar faces that you see on the road throughout the season, but everyone's gathered 
in one place. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean that, that, that's kind of the best, the best part of it. Um, it's basically like a who's who of the NBA. And, um, obviously I, I'm not near as connected as, as a lot of people. So, uh, or, or don't, don't thrive in those, uh, settings of, you know, everyone's, everyone's networking and getting out there and, and doing all that. I'll, I'll try as, as best as I can, but, um, I'm gonna gonna be focused on the work I got to get done and having some fun. And I'll be at the Rising Stars game. I'll be at the All Star game. And I don't know if I'm gonna get credentialed for Saturday night, just because no Thunder players are in any of those events. But I don't know how that works. So we'll see. If I am credentialed for it, I will be there. Um, and uh, I was trying to even remember who's in the dunk contest. I know Trey Murphy is. Um, and uh, yeah, no Isaiah Joe in the three-point contest, though, Michael. That's a big bummer. Yeah, no Isaiah Joe is pretty disappointing. I'm also disappointed to know that you won't be attending the celebrity game or even playing in it. Those were my my two bucket list items for you, Joe, this weekend. Unfortunately, I was not not invited to play in it. Um, I don't know. There wasn't, I mean, it was, it was, uh, I don't want to like rank celebrities, but there were some names in there. I knew now there were some names in there. I, 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 I didn't know, um, showing my age, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, it's, it's not even like at the arena. It's at a different site. Perhaps it's, you know, within, a very short walk maybe maybe i'll show up odds are i will not we need the uh the crossover episode of joe masato and 21 savage that's that's what the people need 21 savage i i should have um listed him on my list of people that i would like to talk to um at all-star weekend maybe he will get ice cream with you unlike jay-z yes i am googling him as i speak i i, I do know I know the name, um, and that's about it. Well, what is your favorite All-Star Weekend event? I know that you've mentioned a lot of them that you're excited to go to. Is there one that stands out? Maybe it's um, the dunk contest, maybe Saturday night, uh, Saturday night in general, or is there anything that you remember as a kid getting really excited for? As a kid, it was definitely the dunk contest and, and really the, the three-point contest. Like I loved the Saturday night events. Like even more so than the all-star game on Sunday itself. Like I, I definitely prioritized those and, but now it's kind of like flipped for me. And that's really a credit to the NBA and to uh, Mr. Elam himself for coming up with the Elam ending, because that has made the all-star game so much fun. It's like, you still get, you know, three quarters of guys kind of messing around, but putting on a really fun show and then, as we've seen for the last, what, like three seasons now, uh, or two seasons, I, I, well, yeah, three, um, guys really lock in in the fourth quarter and, like, like are defending each other. Coaches are calling timeouts. I mean, whistles are, uh, the, the, there are fouls, and it's like, it's like a real game with the best players in, in the world going for that target score, which which really does ramp things up more so than, you know, just clock runs out, a team might be down by 20 and there's no hope of them winning. Um, th this 
this format keeps everyone in it and I think keeps everyone engaged. And it's like been a rebirth, I think, of the All-Star game. Yeah, you get the the best of both worlds where you get um, all the fun stuff and the fun antics of guys running around throwing alley-oops, shooting from half court. And then, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters aspect of it. And then later on, you get the serious basketball best players in the world going five on five against each other. It should be a lot of um, a lot of fun. Very interesting. Lately, I've been a lot more into the Rising Stars game. Maybe that's just because the Thunder have had so many young players in it recently. But I like the um, you mentioned the Elam ending, but also just the tournament style of having the four different teams. You you uh you can't get enough of Teo Maladone in, in in the Rising Stars game a, a year or a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, there's a there's been a lot of Thunder players in that game, and I I mean, no offense, Michael, it's a pretty pretty NBA nerd of you, but hey, we follow the Thunder, we talk about the Thunder. That's been the Thunder's event for the last couple of years, so I totally know uh, know where you're coming from. I've watched more Rising Stars in the last three seasons um, than I watched for however long this uh, this event was um, uh, created. I uh, so, sorry for sorry for pausing. I was going to ask you. I was looking at mine uh, just to double check what year it is. But as a young Michael Martin. Did you have a favorite like dunk contest memory or three point memory? That's a good question. So a lot of my favorite ones I wasn't even born for, which is not fair. I'll I'll do with the ones that I was another, another NBA nerd moment. This is what I do. But I got um, you here. Yeah, I'll I'll do ones that I was alive for, not ones I just watched on NBA TV. Um, let's see. I love the the three point contest where I think Clay Thompson like hit the last like eight in a row and Steph's yeah. just falling out of his chair. And then obviously being from Oklahoma, Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia, even though it wasn't super impressive looking back on it, but just all the antics and the choir singing, I believe I can fly and all these other things was, was a lot of fun. Do you have a, you have a favorite? I don't know about a favorite, but like some big memories jump out that the Blake one certainly, uh, Dwight Howard when he put on the Superman cape, uh, it was 2008. So that one really stands out as far as like, I, I know it was about like showmanship even before that, but like we really saw like props become incorporated and, and things like that. Um, obviously more recent vintage, but anytime you get Aaron Gordon and, and Zach Levine in there against each other, it's become an instant show. Hamadou Diallo winning. The dunk contest, jumping over Shaquille O'Neal on your short list. I, I feel like people overlook that, and um, not that, not that, not that it's going to go down in NBA lore, but um, that was that was the 2020 All Star Game just before the pandemic, and um, yeah, Hamadou Diallo used to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And once he did jump over Shaquille O'Neal, which is completely random because I don't think they had any like relationship or anything before that. But if you're going to use uh, a prop man to, to jump over, you might as well pick one of the most recognizable giants to ever walk the earth. And we had a really cool like poster page um, in, in the in the paper that was Diallo jumping over Shaq 
And that was that was really cool. Just a very very niche comment I'm about to make. But so Hamadou Diallo, when he arrived at Kentucky, there was a big deal made about the size of his hands. Um, you know, the before before we were all talking about Kenny Pickett's hands, we were talking about Hamadou Diallo's hands. And people hypothesized that he could not palm a basketball, which would make it very hard to win the dunk contest. Um, so going into that dunk contest, I was like, man, I don't know if Hami can do this. Like I, I've seen him, he's a good in-game dunker. Um, but uh, but are his hands big enough? I wasn't actually worried about this, but it makes for a good story. It is true, by the way, the the hand thing. I, I don't know if his hands are small or large or whatever. Um, but he put on an absolute show. And it's one of the guys where um, I think Jeremy Evans is the name I always mention, but so many random dudes have won the dunk contest and, and Hamadou Diallo is among them. Jeremy Evans, who um, painted a picture of himself dunking and then jumped over the painting at the all-star game. I mean, that's iconic. Are you, are you a very good painter, Joe? I can't paint at all. Oh God. I have zero artistic ability, like none whatsoever. I'd say journalism's an, an art the way that you do it, but if you don't want to take any credit for that, I'm What what do you think about those like halftime performers who like paint something upside down or like you don't know what it is and then they flip it around and it's like a painting? Like kind of I kind of feel like I'm I'm being scammed, but it's pretty cool. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I feel like a thief of joy on this, but there's just not many halftime uh, shows <laughs> that I'm just like really thrilled with other than Red Panda when she's slipping the, the bowls off her feet. Most of the halftime performances, and this is not a shot at anyone, just in any sports events, it's just kind of like, I don't know, you're just kind of waiting around. I don't know. It, it It's just weird. Are there any halftime performances that stand out to you that you really enjoy? Well, Red Panda is is the ultimate. Um, we're a big fan of of Red Panda at the at the Oklahoma newsroom, as is everyone else. But Jenny's written a story about her. Barry took a picture with her just a couple weeks ago at the OU men's basketball game uh, when she performed there. Um, I uh, I'm a big dog guy, so I don't I don't mind seeing all the dogs run around uh, on the various dog themed halftime shows. Um, full disclosure, Michael and I, and, and a lot of other, uh, folks in the media typically go get popcorn or some other snack during halftime. So I don't see much of them these days. Um, I'll tell you the most memorable halftime performance I ever saw. I say memorable, but now I'm forgetting the guy's name, but it was, it was the March 11th game and to buy time. No, no one knowing what was going on and trying to keep people calm um, before obviously we all knew what happened. They brought in the halftime performer at the beginning of the game just to like perform a few songs, the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And once I saw that, it's like, okay, something's, so, something is awry here. So um, sorry, I took this, this very lighthearted halftime question to a very dark place, but it is etched in my memory for sure getting some uh flashback memories of that i was actually at that game that was one of the few thunder games i went to that season i had um, a family member who gave my dad and i tickets and i remember sitting in there and then that happened and i have a video on my phone of yeah the 
the halftime performance that was pregame and it's just like everyone's kind of wondering what's going on and these guys are singing at half court and i found like two a video of um two high school kids waving their phones in the air like lighters at a concert <laughs> they're the only ones who are really enjoying it but i f- i feel bad for those uh halftime pregame performers but it was definitely a a weird night to remember and then um we mentioned you know my NBA nerdum fandom with the Rising Stars game. Is there anything you're looking forward to out of J Dub or Josh uh, as they go on team uh, Joe Kim Noah with guys like Evan Mobley and Jabari Smith Jr. and Jeremy Sohan and others? Uh, shout out Frankie J. Frankie J was the performer that night. Um, sorry, sorry, Michael. I had to get that out there. Um, I I'm not super invested to be honest in the rising stars game, I am looking forward to watching it. Um, I kind of wish like J dub and, and Giddy were on like different teams be, ju- just to like see them play with expand the pool of guys that they're, they're playing with. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Like the, the guys doing, doing the, those drafts, like clearly didn't have a, a great idea of, who some of the players even were to be to be quite honest so that part uh will be fun but yeah it's like it's an exciting time like the rising stars event really is i mean i guess star-studded by by relative terms i mean the the most exciting young players in in the league you'll see two thunder players out there you'll see several rockets players out there and and a lot of guys we've talked about as we focused on the draft these last you know, few years of this rebuild. So I, I am looking forward to it, but I have no thoughts on like, you know, what the actual games are going to look like. Yeah, should I don't it should be pretty up and down, but I'm excited to see, you know, we got the tease of Josh playing with Evan Mobley a little bit in some of the Rising Stars challenges, but he didn't get to play with him. He played with Jalen Green, which was not a very fun time. But it should be interesting to see how these guys mesh. And I'm with you. I, it would have been more fun to see them on opposite teams having to guard each other or anything like that. J-Dub on Josh. Josh uh, throwing passes around J-Dub's head and other things like that. But should be very, very interesting um, to see who can come away with the win. Speaking of wins, hopefully the Thunder can bounce back and get a win tomorrow night on Wednesday against the Houston Rockets in their last game before All-Star Weekend. But Joe, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on with me. And thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. We will be having some coverage, whether it's from Joe or the rest of the Oklahoman or myself, over All-Star Weekend during this weekend, obviously. But it should be a lot of fun. It should be very interesting. A lot of different news stories from Shay and the All-Star Game, Giddy and J-Dub and the Rising Stars. It should be very, very interesting. A lot of fun. Very exciting. But like I said, thank you so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell your mom about us. Tell your dog about us. Tell whoever you think might be interested in some more great Thunder basketball coverage in a podcast setting or just overall news. Check out the Thunder Buddies podcast and the Thunder coverage over at the Oklahoman. Thanks, and we'll be back on Friday.